we've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. <laughs> RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. Not all of our kids become voracious readers on their own. In fact, if your child is a developing reader who hasn't yet gained fluency, reading is likely far down the list of things he or she would like to do with their time. It's really good to remember that early days of learning to read are difficult. Reading still isn't easy or enjoyable for a child who has to sound out every third or fourth word, so it's no wonder they don't love it. In today's episode, we're going to talk about strategies to help hook your developing reader, and I'll give you some book suggestions that they might just find too good to pass up. This and more in today's episode of the Read Aloud Revival. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. Hey, the great homeschool conventions are right around the corner. Those are happening in person this year in 2021. You can find out details about where and when each of those conventions are happening at greathomeschoolconventions.com. I'm speaking at all of them. I'm going to do a session on raising kids who love to read, another session on teaching from rest, a homeschooler's guide to unshakable peace as well as a Q&A panel and a special event Real Mom Tour with a couple of my favorites, Pam Barnhill from Your Morning Basket and Colleen Kessler from Raising Lifelong Learners. You can get details on all of it at greathomeschoolconventions.com. Those start up next month in March 2021, and then they run in various locations through the summer. Now, before we jump into how to support our developing readers and help them become voracious readers, a topic I'm very much looking forward to chatting with you about today, I'm going to answer a couple of the great questions you sent in. Hi, Sarah. My name is Christy, and I have three children. My older two are five and seven and both love to listen to audiobooks. I know you talk a lot about the benefits of audiobooks, and your kids listen to them as well. My question is when, how, and why do you transition from audiobooks to independent reading at rest time? Currently, both of my children listen to audiobooks in the afternoon while my two-year-old naps. My seven-year-old is a capable independent reader, but still much prefers to listen to an audiobook. What is slightly concerning to me is that I'll sometimes find him in his room with his audiobook playing while he's also reading a different book. He tells me that he can do both at once. 
Have any of your kids done this? If so, how have you handled it? Or how have you encouraged them to read independently instead of listening during rest time? Thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for that question, Christy. Um, you know, I see these as two different modes of the same thing. You know, the audiobook is reading with the ear and the independent reading is reading with the eye. So um, it's helpful for me to remind myself that one's not really better than the other. They're both worthwhile. They're both equally reading. And um, they both actually probably need some practice to develop fluency and speed, right? Because if you've tried to listen to an audiobook yourself, you'll notice that uh, until you get kind of in the habit of it, it's a little bit hard to focus on it. Our, our attention, ability to pay attention has to be cultivated a little bit. And of course, the same thing we know with reading with our eyes that it's easier to do once you do it more often. Um, okay, so that said, I don't tell my kids that they have to read independently during rest time. Um, I do let them listen to audiobooks if they prefer to do that during rest time, mostly because I don't want to send the message that reading with eyes is better than reading with ears. So, but one thing I was thinking about, because both of those things are worthwhile and they both do need, you know, time and attention to develop fluency and to get comfortable with them. Um, I wonder if you could split them into different times. You know, so you said it's during your toddler's nap. I wonder if the rest time is, let's say, an hour. Um, if half an hour, you can tell your your son for half an hour you're going to do the audiobook and for half an hour you can read with your eyes. Um, or even splitting it up and saying, you know, that nap time rest time is for reading with your eyes. And then before bed, you can have another half an hour to listen to your audiobook or the other way around, audiobook during the day, Reading with eyes at night doesn't really matter when that happens. Because um, I do think it's worthwhile to value both and to allow, you know, the enjoyment of both and time for the enjoyment of both. Um, as for your son listening to an audiobook and reading a different book at the same time, that's kind of impressive, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm not sure it's a habit you want to cultivate because part of the beauty of reading is it means we can't multitask what we're thinking about, kind of slows our brain down. Um I mean, you can multitask and listen to an audiobook and do something else, right? Like you could listen to an audiobook and go for a walk or wash the dishes or play with your Legos, right? Um, but probably you can't think about something else and still maintain that understanding of the narrative happening in the audiobook. So um, I, I'm trying to think of why he might be wanting to do that. I wonder if he's maybe wanting to make progress on you know, getting through a certain number of books or keeping a list of books, keeping track of how many he's read or how many pages he's read or something. And he feels like he'll get those faster that way. Um, in which case, and I don't know if this is the case, but it, if that's, if you think that might be the case, um, I think I'd tell him he can just do one at a time. Like you can only read with your ears or your eyes <laughs> at one time. And then see what you can do to sort of double the amount of time he has set aside for reading so that he feels like he can make as much progress as he wants. I mean, that might not be why he's doing it, but if it is, if it's because he wants to make that list longer of his completed books or the number of pages he's read, then I wonder if just offering a solution where he can chalk up more pages read or books read without trying to do them all at once would work. Thank you so much for your question, Christy. I hope that helps a little. Hi, Sarah. My name is Ann Nelson. I was listening to your most recent episode about reading wordless books, and it got me thinking about a question I have regarding reading Shakespeare. You mentioned how the obstacle for some children who find reading words on a page difficult um, could discourage them from reading, and therefore a wordless book could be a good entry point. It kind of makes me wonder the same thing about Shakespeare. 
I'm, I'm wondering why people, teachers, want to teach kids to read Shakespeare. I took Shakespeare in high school. I enjoyed it, but I could see where it would be a challenge to most people because it's you almost need a parallel translation as you read it in order to understand what you're reading anyways. So I love the Ken Ludwig book. I've read it, How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare. And I love like memorizing passages of Shakespeare with my children and talking through the meaning of them. But after that, I have kind of felt more inclined to just want to watch a DVD version or various, you know, play versions um, since it was written as a play and not really written to be read anyways. So I was just curious if you feel that you can think of advantages to actually reading through a play rather than just watching it and discussing it. Oh, I so agree. And, um, you know, I think Ken Ludwig himself, the author of How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare, I think he would agree as well that Shakespeare wrote his plays to be enjoyed as plays, right? To be visually enjoyed. You know, a playwright and a screen, you know, when you're writing a play or writing a screenplay, uh, that writing is written with the intention. Uh, the writer is actually thinking constantly about how that is going. That story is going to be very visual. It's going to be told visually. So I think that's worth considering here. And I'm inclined to agree with you. Memorizing passages and watching the plays is actually the very best way to quote unquote read Shakespeare. And then reading the words or the plays with our eyes is a subpar activity comparative to watching them. Um, in fact, I was just thinking about this because when I read Twelfth Night a couple years ago, we read it in our as part of our Mama Book Club in RER Premium, and a lot of us found that reading the play with our eyes was really greatly enhanced by listening to an audio drama of Twelfth Night, listening to the play um, on audio, and it really made the play come to life and actually helped me understand a lot of the language I wouldn't have understand have understood if I was just reading with my eyes because of course you've got these professional actors who are bringing those words to life and they make so much more sense. So I guess my answer is I wouldn't feel compelled to read them the plays with our eyes at all. I have a hunch that the reason so many people talk about reading the plays and this is happening in curriculum in schools is just because we haven't actually stopped to think <laughs> about the fact that a Shakespeare play is actually best watched and not read with the eyes. So if you are into memorizing passages and watching plays with your kids and some of those audio versions of the Shakespeare plays are so fantastic, I think those are excellent ways to quote unquote read Shakespeare with your kids. Now for all of you listeners, if you're listening to this and thinking, hey, where do I find out more about introducing my kids to Shakespeare? That's the previous episode, episode 171. Uh, the world-renowned and award-winning playwright Ken Ludwig joined me for that episode. We got into a very simple, delightful way to introduce kids of any age to Shakespeare. And you got a little hint of it here, which is memorizing passages and really just falling in love with the stories. So... Great questions today. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Anne. If you have a question you'd like me to tackle on a future episode of the podcast, you can leave that question at readaloudrevival.com. So you go to readaloudrevival.com, scroll down a bit, you'll see a button that says, got a question for Sarah McKenzie, and you record a little voice message for me there. I'd love to hear from you.
Okay, so let's talk about developing readers. Readers who haven't yet gained fluency and ease in their reading, where, you know, reading is still hard work, whether they're sounding out a lot of words or just they are needing somebody next to them while they're reading so they can, you know, get through that sticky word each sentence or whatever that they're struggling with, or just reading is hard work. They might not even need your help so much sounding out the words, but it just takes a lot of their mental energy and stamina to do the reading. I think it's worth taking some time to talk about this because as much as we all want our kids to love reading, and I'm pretty sure you do if you're listening today, you know, we should know that that's kind of an unrealistic expectation for a child for whom reading's hard. You know, it's human for us. We don't really like to do things that are hard. When we have to do hard things day over day for a sustained amount of time, it's not exactly a recipe for helping us fall in love with whatever that task is, right? An image I find useful here is to consider when we're asking our developing reader to read with their eyes, we're essentially asking them to climb a mountain. You know, we can do that. It's, it's worthwhile. It's an important thing for them to do. They need the practice. We, we can encourage them and give them the time and space to practice and the tools, but it's still hard work. So when they get to the top of that mountain or the end of the book, as it were, <laughs> They might not exactly be eager to climb another mountain right away, right? It's just worth it to know that asking our developing readers to fall in love with reading while they're still developing is kind of tricky. It's just not likely to happen on its own. But I think there are a few things we can do. Number one, we can help our developing readers fall in love with stories. Number two, we can help them practice their skills so that they develop speed and ease and fluency in their reading. And that way they get to that stage of falling in love with reading, you know, sooner. And then number three, we can help them find books that make reading sort of irresistible. So today we're just going to walk through those three things that we can do to help our developing readers. Let's talk first about the importance of falling in love with the stories themselves. Uh, It's worth thinking about here because I think it's a rare person who actually falls in love with the act of reading. And by that, I mean the act of decoding the letters and symbols on the page and knowing the words they represent, right? Do you get a thrill on a regular basis from being able to read the word the and know when you see the symbols that look like a T and an H and an E, (laughs) they say the. No, we fall in love with the stories, the words, the descriptions, the information, and the way it's presented, right? So the best way to help our kids fall in love with the stories, which is really what we want most. If our kids love stories, then they will have an incentive and a motivator to want to read because then they can get the stories for themselves without having to wait on anybody else or having the access to an audiobook or someone to read to them, right? So we really want to help our kids fall in love with stories. And the best way to do that is, I feel like I need a trumpet here, is to read aloud because, you know, I already know this. (laughs) Uh, We really want to give our kids an expectation that books and stories are amazing. So if all we're reading are beginning readers, you know, the kinds of books that are fun to read or fine to read. um, You know, I've been reading A Great Day for Up with a couple of my developing readers, uh, emerging readers, and uh, it's just not super inspiring. They like it. It's funny. It's cute as far as an early reader goes, but it's not exactly motivating in the, um, the kind of place where they go, oh, I really want to get more of those for myself, more of those stories for myself. That's a very different experience than if I was to read to them The Green Ember or The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or Paddington Bear, 
right? They, they get a different sense of, oh, I want that. I want more of that when you read a really good story. So the first thing we want to keep in mind is just that we should read aloud as much as we can. And, and indeed, actually, we need to be spending far more time reading aloud then we should be doing phonics and practicing instructive reading with our kids. So your child should be hearing more read-alouds. They should spend more time listening to read-alouds, either you or an audiobook, than they do reading with their eyes as they're developing their own reading chops. That's a really important thing to keep in mind. The instruction, the phonics instruction, the reading instruction is important. We're going to talk about that in a second. But they really need to spend a lot more time listening to good language, listening to beautiful stories than they do practicing the act of reading. Let's actually talk about that now because if we help them fall in love with stories and then we also offer them practice and instruction so they can develop reading speed and ease, so it becomes easy for them, that is a recipe for helping our kids want to read. If they, if they can read easily, they will want to read more often than if reading is a chore. Now, this episode isn't really an episode on the nuts and bolts of how to teach a child how to read, but I know a lot of you have questions about resources I like for teaching kids how to read, the phonics and reading instruction. So I'll just mention quickly here, the programs I like best are All About Reading and Logic of English. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Uh, the show notes, by the way, are at readaloudrevival.com slash 172. And both All About Reading and Logic of English are based on the same methodology. It's called Orton-Gillingham methodology. They're both excellent. You don't need both. You just need one or the other. I've used and liked both. The key here, I think, is to keep your lessons short and frequent. You know, short daily phonics lessons will help your child learn to read much better than a lesson twice a week that lasts longer. So when I do a phonics lesson with my own kids, I only do about 10 or 15 minutes. That's it. I actually set a timer on my phone so that I remember to stop. Um, after 10 or 15 minutes, even if they're still doing fine, I still cut it short and then we move on to something else. Because I think that short dailiness is really, that. those are the operative words here. 10 or 15 minutes a day is very likely enough as long as it's done consistently and you're using something solid and you're getting to it frequently and those lessons sort of, they accumulate it's not like a snowball in their mind the more often that you roll that snowball down the hill it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until reading becomes easy a lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling but i know something about you you don't actually need to homeschool better you need to homeschool happier to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> and you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. 
If you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample, or you can just text RAR sample, one word, to the number 33777 and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. Now, as part of your phonics, whatever you're using, whatever program you're using, you probably are going to be using early readers as part of that instruction where they'll practice reading stories. And I do have a list of favorite early readers. Um, We'll link to that list in the show notes. They were the focus of episode 105. So you can just go back and listen to that episode if you'd like. Um, We're just about to update that list So keep an eye on your email inbox because I'm going to send you a note when that list of favorite early readers has been updated. And by early readers, I mean these books that our kids can sound out as they're learning to read. I mentioned A Great Day for Up. That's one. Uh, Any readers that come with your phonics program, any readers like Frog and Toad or Little Bear or like the cat sat on a hat type of <laughs> type of stories, Bob books. Those are all early readers. They help our kids with their phonics practice. They're not particularly amazing stories, uh, but they do help them get skill, speed, fluency, ease in their reading, and that's really important. So uh, we have a few more gems to add to that early readers list. So keep an eye out for that. Now, if you're not getting my emails, go to readaloudrevival.com slash subscribe. Um, I don't know if I'll remember to tell you on the next podcast episode that the early readers list is updated. So just pop your email in on readaloudrevival.com slash subscribe. And so you won't miss it. If you get emails from me, you will get that, that note when it's ready. And that list will be a list of really good early readers for your kids who are just learning how to read. And like I said, we're just about to update it because I've got a few more favorites to add to it. So, okay, so we're reading aloud. We're helping our kids fall in love with story, good stories, right? We're giving them short lessons in phonics and instruction. And now this is the third thing I mentioned earlier, and that is that we want to find books that make reading kind of irresistible that really lure our kids into wanting to read. And this is where book series come in, and they are so helpful. If you can figure out a series of books that will be of really high interest to your child, you can ignite the enthusiasm that they really need to break through those hardest days of learning how to read. It propels them. It gives them a motivation to kind of struggle up that mountain, right? And to want to do it again. Once they bond with a favorite character, they've kind of got some skin in the game. They can't wait to find out what happens next, which is why a series works so well for this. They feel like they're visiting a friend um, and they, they can't wait to find out what happens next in the series. Now, every child is different and you never really know which series is going to work for each child, but chances are good that something on our list will do the trick. And in fact, yes, we have a whole list of our favorite books to hook your developing readers. This is a list that we just recently updated, so definitely be sure to check it out. There's got to be something on this list that will capture your child. There is such a great variety. These are chapter books that are meant to lure in or hook (laughs) your developing readers, um, kids who can read, 
but still need relatively short books, chapter books, with some illustrations sprinkled in there, some high interest plots and characters, lots of adventure, book series that kind of just get your kid to want to read some more. And one of the, the keys here is that when your child can read, but it hasn't become easy yet. This is a very critical part of your child's reading life. This is what we mean by developing readers. Kids who can read, but they just, it's not quite easy. The best way to make it easy for them is for them just to get better at it. The best way to get better at it is just to read a large quantity of words. If your child reads a large quantity of words, reading will get easier. And as it gets easier, they will enjoy it more. It's just the way it works. Um, and this is why a series, I think, can help so much because it helps us get in that large quantity of words in stories that our kids really enjoy and really like. Um, so let me just give you a couple ideas of what's on this list. And you'll find the whole list in the show notes, readaloudrevival.com slash 172, because this is episode 172. Um, there's a series on this list called Ranger in Time by Kate Messner. And this is a series about a dog named Res Ranger, a, a search and rescue dog, actually, who ends up having these time traveling adventures. They're action packed. They're kind of page turny. And you, know, you don't have to tell your kids this part, but they'll actually teach your kids a bunch of history while they're reading because they're set at different times in history. The first one, I believe, is set on the Oregon Trail. They're about all different kinds of history. But uh, but like I said, they're action-packed. They're, if your kids love dogs, they're going to love this book. Uh, kids who love this series love this series called Ranger in Time. Another series that I've heard kids raving about is... Um, it's called the Last Firehawk series. This one begins with the Ember Stone. It's a, a fantasy and adventure story series. It's got magic and lots of fast-paced action, which is really good for these kids who are developing readers because it propels them. The story is, if the story is fast and a little bit flashy, it propels them forward. It kind of helps them. It's like having, as they're climbing up that mountain, it's like having a gust of wind helping them push them up. That's a terrible metaphor, but I bet you have the image in mind that I'm going for. Okay, my own, my own son, he's now 15, but many years ago uh, when I was trying to hook him at his developing reader stage, he inhaled the Encyclopedia Brown books. He loved those. Um, there's, a, there's a series on this list called the Magical Animal Adoption Agency books by Callie George. These are about a girl named Clover, who's always unlucky, but then in the first book, she stumbles upon a cottage in the woods that turns out to be an adoption agency for magical creatures like unicorns and baby dragons. Um, my daughter, Clara, is sort of obsessed with the Clementine books by Sarah Pennypacker. These are kind of like Ramona Quimby, but oh my goodness, they're so funny. So, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> There's a whole list of these books in today's show notes. Um, We've got lots of series listed there. What we did for that uh, series, there's a printed list there you can grab. There's also the list you can just view online is we just listed the first book in each series to get you going. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you just one second. I'm going to tell you what to do to really hook your child on a series. But um, you can just check out the list to pick a series or just kind of skim through it and see, hmm, based on what my child likes and is interested in, which one of these series might have the greatest chance of hooking them. And you know, you might have to try a couple. You might try, you know, the Magical Adoption Agency series and it doesn't stick. And so then you try something else and see if that sticks. It, it, 
any of these series might hook your reader. You just kind of, it's a taste thing, right? We got to just kind of, as Laura Martin likes to say, we have to keep looking for the right jelly bean. Just because you don't like the black jelly bean, the licorice flavored jelly bean, doesn't mean you don't like jelly beans. It means you don't like that flavor. So just keep digging around for the right one. Okay, so let me give you the real secret juice here to how to use a series like this to hook your developing reader. Because it's more than just finding the books and shoving them at your kids. <laughs> what I suggest is that you you choose a series from the list that you think might appeal to your young reader, and then you read the first one out loud. Okay? This is my, my secret sauce here. I really think this works so often. So you read the very first book in that series out loud. Now, these aren't usually amazing read-alouds because they're chapter books. They're written for kids who are developing readers. They're written, written for kids to read to themselves. So you're not going to find the same quality of language as you would in a book that we'd normally recommend you reading aloud, but it's short and you're going to be fine. So you're just going to read the first book out loud. And, um, and if the book is received unenthusiastically, uh, you just choose another series and read aloud the first book from that one. You're going to do that until you find a series that your child really engages with. Okay, so let's say you have a child who really falls in love with um, Nate the Great, let's say. You're going to read that first book out loud. And when your child then expresses some displeasure at the book coming to an end, you get to deliver the good news. There are more mysteries that Nate the Great solves. Lots of them. So then what you do is you purchase the second book in the series, if you can. And you can always get it from the library. But the reason I suggest purchasing the second book in the series is because if you buy it, then you're you're not feeling rushed by library due dates if it takes your child a bit of time to get through it. Because once you have that second book, you're going to hand it to your child and tell them that you won't be reading this one aloud, but, um, you know, you can probably read much of it on your own and I can help you anywhere you get stuck. So you've read the first Nate the Great, let's say, and your child loves Nate the Great, <laughs> let's say, and then you have the second book and you say, um, gosh, you know, I don't have time to read this one out loud to you, but I bet you could probably read most of this one on your own. Another tip here is to encourage your child then to read it when you're nearby. You, maybe you're cooking dinner or folding laundry or something. So you're nearby and you're available so that they can say, mom, what's this word? But you're not hovering. You're not, you don't have to sit next to them and look at all the words. It's okay if they read some of them wrong. It's not that big of a deal. They'll still get the gist of the story. So you don't have to make sure they can read every single word just right. You don't need to hover. So maybe you're cooking dinner. Maybe you're folding laundry. Maybe you're changing the baby's diaper. Maybe you're doing a hundred other things you've got to do today. <laughs> but they, they can maybe read it nearby. And you can tell them when you stumble or need help with the word, just ask me. Here's the key. When your child needs help with a word, don't ask them to sound it out. You do that during a phonics lesson. You do that during your school day if you're teaching your child how to read, right? But for this key system of trying to lure your child into a series, you don't say, you know, you know how to read that word or you read that word yesterday. I know you know how to read it or just sound it out. No, no, just resist that. When your child struggles with a word, just tell them what the word is because your goal here isn't to get extra phonics practice in. We've got to keep our, our first goal primary, top of mind. Our goal is to help our child want to read so that then they have some intrinsic motivation that propels them through those tough moments up the mountain, right? So that they want to pick up the book 
and they know this is going to be enjoyable and, dare I say, kind of easy. Because if I get to a word I don't know, I can ask my parent to tell me what the word means. You're doing your child a better service just to tell them the word than to ask them to sound it out. If the book ends up being too hard and your child gets frustrated, you can just try sitting next to him or her and just read any book that they struggle with. You know, you can even read most of the book to your child and simply encourage them to read the shorter sentences or the last word of a sentence or phrases here and there. So th- this is probably a good time to remind you of something we say all the time at Read Aloud Revival, especially in our classes in RAR Premium. You can't help your child too much. So don't worry about making this too easy on them. You want this to be easy on them. The most important thing is that you don't ruin the story by trying to turn it into a lesson, right? Let your child love the story and let them fall in love with the story. The reading skill will come with time, especially the more often they do it. And they'll be more inclined to do it more often if it's an enjoyable, easy process for them. This is the exact system I used for my son. He was a developing reader at nine. He was a later reader. And we did exactly this. And he went from reading, you know, first and second grade level readers to reading large middle grade fantasy novels in the span of about a month. It was astounding. My daughters had similar experiences when they transitioned from struggling through sounding out sentences to fluently cruising through books. I think the key is to make sure you're reading aloud regularly. You're doing consistent daily work with phonics at a separate time of day, school time of day. And then you're helping them fall in love with a a series of books that kind of is impossible for them to resist. It takes a little patience and it takes a little trust on your part. And also, I want to just remind you that reading, learning to read takes the time that it takes. So we can't rush it. No amount of whatever you do is going to rush the process. Your child's going to learn when they're ready to learn. So just having a bit of patience and a bit of trust that your kids will fall in love with books if you can create an environment where that's likely to happen. You read aloud a lot, you let it all unfold the way it wants to, and you keep your kids stocked in books that that are kind of hard to resist. Again, the list for the series that we recommend for this exact thing is at readaloudrevival.com slash 172. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. I love this part of the podcast because kids share the books that they've been loving lately. Hi, my name is Zach. I live in Illinois. My favorite series is the String Taste of Origami Yoda series. Some parts are funny in it. Some parts aren't. And I'm nine years old almost eight. No, eight years old, almost nine. Hi, my name is Catherine. I am eight years old and I live in California. My favorite book is the Green Ember series by S.D. Smith. I like it because they're very adventurous. Hello, my name is Sean. I live in California. I'm five years old and my favorite book is Magic Trias. It's written by Mary Pope Osborne, and I like it because it is adventurous, and they go back in time. 
Hi, I'm Raina from Wisconsin. My age is six and a half, and I like um, Ramona books. I like it because she gets in predicaments, and that is super funny. Hi, my name is Eli, and I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm eight years old, and my favorite book is I Am a Shark by Bob Shay, and I like it because the shark is cool. My name is Caleb, and I am seven. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And my favorite book is The Musician's Nephew. And I like it because it has a lot of pages and detail. Hi, my name is Lydia Grace. I'm 11 years old. I live in Tennessee. I like a lot of books, but one of my favorites is The Green Ember. I like this book because it has a lot of animals, and I also like it because it's exciting. Hi, I'm Sunny from Massachusetts, and my favorite book is... The fa- my father's dragon and why do you like it? I I I like it because there's a boy who meets all these animals that don't like him, but he helps them with his uh, with their problems, and that's how it they get to like him more. Hi, I'm Ariel from Massachusetts, and my favorite book is The Prairie Thief. It's because it surprised me. Thank you, kids. Listen, you'll find all the series I mentioned in today's show in our show notes at readaloudrevival.com slash 172. Like I said earlier, the best way to get our book lists first when they are hot off the presses or we freshly updated them. And we actually update one to two of our book lists every single month. We're always very hard at work here at Read Aloud Revival, reading and adding and updated the, updating those lists for you. So you really want to be on the email list so you get first dibs on those. You're probably missing several of our free and amazing and helpful resources if you're just listening here on the podcast. So head to readaloudrevival.com slash subscribe and pop your email in there so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you know what to do. Go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com sample or by texting the word RAR sample like it's one word all squished together <laughs> to the number 33777.